This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. And we begin with Inner Sanctum, a radio program that debuted January 7th of 1941. The name was licensed by Simon & Schuster on condition of each broadcast that the announcer would promote the latest book title published in the series. The series featured stories of mystery, terror, and suspense, and its tongue-in-cheek introductions were in sharp contrast to shows like Suspense and The Whistler. The early 1940 programs opened with Raymond Edward Johnson introducing himself as your host, Raymond, in a mockingly sardonic voice. A spooky melodramatic organ score played by Lou White punctuated Raymond's many morbid jokes and playful puns. Beginning in 1945, Lipton Tea sponsored the series featuring Mary Bennett, also known as the Tea Lady, a cheerful commercial spokeswoman whose blithesome pitches for Lipton Tea contrasted sharply with the macabre themes of the stories. She primly chided the host for his trademark dark humor and creepy manner. Let's hear the episode entitled The Black Art. Soup presents Inner Sanctum Mystery, starring Simone Simone. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is, of course, Raymond, your host. Uh, please come in, won't you? Make yourself comfortable in any gloomy corner. We had intended to have a real surprise for you tonight. Instead of myself, we were going to have a guest ghost to act as host. But, uh, unfortunately, this real ghost caught pneumonia and he's in a very grave condition. The doctors have given up all hope. He's, uh, going to become alive. <laughs> well, Mr. Raymond, I must admit, I'm glad that that ghost couldn't come. Mm? It's difficult enough to talk to you, but heavens, I wouldn't know what to say to a ghost. Oh, well, that's simple, Mary. All you have to do is find out whether it's uh, a he-ghost or a she-ghost. And if it's a she? Oh, well, then you compliment her on her appearance. She's a darling, what a divine sheet you're wearing. <laughs> That's right, Mr. Raymond. Mm. The ladies are always interested in something new to wear. Mm. And right now, I'm going to tell them about something they'll all want. It's a lovely piece of jewelry. A real sterling silver medallion about an inch in diameter. It's the kind of jewelry you find at those smart shops on Fifth Avenue in New York. But the only way you can get it is from Lipton. The medallion is decorated with a Chinese inscription, and it's hung on a narrow black rayon satin ribbon. That's the height of fashion this year, you know. And here's how you get the medallion. 
just send 25 cents and the box top from a package of Lipton, the tea with the brisk flavor, to the Lipton Tea People, Box 92, New York City. Yes, that's Box 92 in New York City. And uh, now it's time to begin. Our story is called The Black Heart. It's an original tale by Milton Lewis. And our star tonight is that glamorous motion picture star, Simone Simone, who played the role of Claudine. So, uh, gather close and get ready to hear a sweet little tale that'll make you wake up screaming for at least the next two weeks. You all set? Now remember, if you don't want your hair to stand on end, get someone to sit on your head. Okay? <laughs> all right, now, let's, uh, let's hear Larry Gifford tell you his story in his own words. I wish I never heard that scream. I wish I never saw a body lying there. Blood all over the room. The knife on the floor near her throat. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget how I picked up the knife. I'll never forget the sweat that came creeping out all over me when I heard the door slam. Stand where you are. You make a move, I'll blow your head off. Don't shoot, copper. Cut that knife. Okay. What's your name? Larry. Larry Gifford. Look, I'm from Chicago. Stranger, huh? Yeah, what of it? What's her name? Her? I, uh, I don't know. I never saw her before. Look, you don't have to frisk me. I haven't got a gun. Shut up. Listen, I, I know it looks bad, but you see, my room's downstairs. I heard a scream, and I... Give me back that wallet. <laughs> your hands up. Roll papers. What of it? So I'm an ex-con, so what? You don't know her, huh? No, I don't. I... What have you got there? Just a picture I found in your wallet, mister. Picture of her. To Larry. With all my love, Nancy. I reckon you forgot about this, huh? Yeah, but look, I didn't kill her. I, I Shut I... up. I think I heard that screaming came up here. Put out your hands. Sure. You can have them. Here. Come back here. Come back. streets gladly. The gardens, when they heard the shots and scream, I was dumped in jail. Now, this was a little bird in the bio country, not far from New Orleans. I was the biggest thing that hit the town since Ripley's Believe It or Not. For them jerks, my trial was a bigger show than Carmen Miranda and Gypsy Rose Lee doing a trapeze act. In no time at all, they sentenced me to be hung. It was the night before they were going to take me to the state pen for the necktie party. I was sleeping. Dreaming I was in Africa. They were beating them drums. Tom-toms. Suddenly I woke up. Moonlight was shining through the bars of my cell. I listened. Someone was beating like a tom-tom on the wall of my jail. Who is it? Who's doing that? Larry Gifford. Yeah, that's me. Were you beating on the wall? Yes. I'm under your cell window. What do you want? Drop one end of your tie through the bars. Okay. There. I've got it. What are you doing? Pull up 
sleep. Never done that before. I never was going to be hung before. What's you holding that? Come here, I'll show you. Let's see. Uh, a gun? Yeah, and it's got enough bullets to fill your head with lead. Let go of Open that door. Open that door. I'll give it to you between the eyes. Go on. Don't shoot. Okay, now I'll take your gun. Give me those keys. See how you like it in there for a while. Come on. Stop him. He's near his face. Let's see him. He's near his face. something about Dave's, and she was dynamite with class. She was something. Well? Set up another, Charlie. Cigarettes? There. Thank you. It's a nice cigarette holder. Must cost at least a C. You know a lot, don't you? Enough. I know you. Do you? Sure. There's something about... Wait a second. Here. Here in this evening's paper, your picture. Oh, it's not a very good picture, is it? After seeing you, no. Claudine Lucerne. Recently returned from France. Elected head of art committee. Miss Lucerne, member of one of New Orleans' oldest and wealthiest families. I've read it. Turn the page. Why? I want to show you something. Okay. There. Larry Gifford of Chicago, wanted for murder, is sought by police after sensational Jane Blair. Better not read anymore. Why? Feel something against your side? It's a gun. I'm holding it in my pocket. Don't be afraid. I won't give you away. Got a light? Yeah. What do you want? Listen to that music. That tapping. What about it? The way you're tapping your cigarette holder against your glass. I'm just keeping time to the music. I heard that tapping before. Yeah, sure, in the cell. And I heard your voice before. Did you? You gave me the gun. Shh, let me hear you. Uh, uh, what, what's, what's this all about? You'll find out. Relax. I, I can't. I guess I had a few too many. My head, I feel like I'm spinning around, getting dizzy. Two green eyes, 
pink with blood around the edges, looked at me out of a queer furry head. It was the head of a bat. It smiled. It had sharp little bat teeth that had pink on them. There was an ache in my throat. I looked again. It wasn't a bat's face. It was hers. Claudine's. I was dreaming. Larry? Hmm? Oh, well, where am I? My suite at the hotel. Ah, how'd I get here? You passed out on the blue bottle. I brought you here. When? Two hours ago. Oh, I must have been sleeping. I had the queerest dream. I thought... What's the matter? My my throat. That pain, like a knife. Those green eyes of yours. That red mouth. And those white teeth. Look, we're going to have a showdown right now. I'm, I'm... Where's my gun? I took it. Look, what do you want with me? Nothing you don't want to do yourself. Don't talk in riddles. Have you have you ever been in love? Sure, dames are always falling for me. Why? I, I guess that's what happened to me. Are you kidding? No. Do you think I'd get you out of jail if I were? But I, I never saw you before. I saw you at the trial. That, that's where it happened. Oh, how can a dame like you go for a guy like me? I don't know. But it happened. I, I don't believe it. I'm sorry. Come here. Yes? I'm going to kiss you, baby. Larry. Oh, Larry. It's a funny thing to do. Kiss a guy on the neck. Better wipe that lipstick off. I can... Hey. What's the matter? My handkerchief. That ain't lip rouge on my neck. It's blood. No, you're making a mistake. My neck's bleeding. What kind of a dame are you, anyway? I'm getting out. No, don't. If you go, I tell them who you are. Oh, you will. Yes, uh, and I... You... Oh! You won't tell them for a while, baby. Grady's joint in the old city of New Orleans was just a place. She'd never find me in that dump. Nobody'd ever find you there. I got a room. I went to sleep. I was safe. Then I heard it again. That same rhythm. It woke me up. I heard it, but I couldn't believe it. How could she know I was here? Oh, was it her? There was nobody in the room. I opened the door. Nobody outside. I slammed it. The beating stopped. I turned around. It's looking into the muzzle of a gun. Sit down, Mary. <laughs> How'd you get here? My Grady ran to the room next to you. There's a connecting door. What? What's the idea of a gun? Can't you guess? Are you you're going to kill me? Maybe. Well, you, you're going to a lot of trouble to bump off a guy who's going to be hung anyway. Do you want to die? No. There is a way you can live. How? By coming with me. Yeah. What else have I got to do? 
Marry me? You're out of your head. You hate me? No. No, I, I, I don't. I don't hate you. I'm, I'm scared of you. Yeah, I, I've never been scared of anybody the way I'm scared of you. Scared enough to do as I say? Maybe. I had hoped you would love me. Maybe I do. You're lying. No. No, baby. <laughs> it's no use. Look, what are you going to do? Kill you? No, put the gun down. Give me a break. Don't. she tells someone she's gonna kill him, she does it. She'd make a wonderful wife for some Frankenstein monster. She's attractive, a good killer, and she has a well-developed taste for blood. Say, why should I hand her over to some other guy? She's just a gal for me. Nonsense, Mr. Raymond. Why, Mary Bennett, I believe you're jealous. I am not. Yes, you are. You're thinking what a handsome couple you and I would make strolling down the avenue, me dressed in a shroud, and you wearing your new sterling silver medallion. Now, Mm. don't you go making fun of my lovely medallion, because I want all the ladies to send in for one. I know they're going to enjoy wearing it, because it's made of solid sterling silver, and it's really a fine piece of jewelry. Besides, there's a true story behind this medallion, an inspiring story. It seems that the original was given to an American flyer by Chinese guerrillas who rescued him after he'd bailed out over enemy territory. The flyer was told that the Chinese characters on the medallion would identify him and bring him safely through the lines. Well, he did get through, and only then did he learn that the medallion said, Good luck, in Chinese. Now, there's a story to tell your friends. And to get this good luck charm, just like the one the flyer carried, all you have to do is send 25 cents and the box top from a package of Lipton's, the tea with the brisk flavor, to the Lipton Tea People, Box 92. That's Box 92, New York City. Now, uh, let's get back to our star, Simone Simone, who seems to be making life hard for a guy named Larry. The last time we looked in, she had just shot him. I've got a tip that that's only the beginning of his troubles. Uh, how about it, Larry? What happened then? I went down in a heap when she fired. The bullets caught me in the thigh. I lay there. made out like I was dead. Larry. Larry. She fell for it. She bent over me. The gun in her hand. Larry. I'll... Oh! Take it easy, kid. Let go of my hand. Not like I get that gun. Let go. Let go. Get that gun up. I have to break your arm. No, don't. Okay, I've got it now. You shot me in the leg, but I'm still strong enough to get rid of you. Larry. I'm no angel, baby, but you're worse. Here's something I heard about, but I never believed. How'd you know I'd be here? How'd you know I'd be in the blue bottle? Go on, answer me. I've got nothing to tell you. Oh, you don't have to. It was magic. Black magic. Somebody nobody'd believe if I ever told him. There's only one thing to do with you. Yes? Kill you. But I ain't taking any chances like you did with me. When I kill you, you're going to stay dead. Those tom-toms are going to stop forever. You think so, Larry? I know it. Come here. Larry, you Shut I... up. Oh! I knocked her out cold. She lay on the floor. I put the muzzle of the gun to her temple. 
She was so beautiful, it made you shiver. I pulled the trigger. I looked. What I saw nearly made me pass out. A little blue vein on her temple was beating. There wasn't a scratch on her. A little curl of red hair was twisted around her ear. Was I seeing things? I aimed the gun at her heart. Nothing. Not a speck of blood. I stuck the muzzle between her eyes. Shot till the gun clicked empty. I looked. The white skin in her face looked more beautiful than ever. Had to get away. Out of the same city where she was. Out of the same state. The same world. I let out for the open country. To the bayous on the river back in New Orleans. My wounds festered as I dragged myself through the swamps. And I got a fever. It was like a nightmare. In my head, I kept feeling the tom-toms. I couldn't take a train or a bus or go to a doctor. I'd be caught. One night, I saw a big house shining in the moonlight. I decided to take a chance. I knocked at the door. What is it? Sorry, miss. I was hunting. I had an accident in my leg. Oh, if you let me come in and call a doctor, I'd be very grateful. You don't want to come into this house. Can't you see I need help? You'll never be helped here. There's nothing good here, only evil and fear. So go away, please. I'm warning you. Go away before my sister comes out. What's the matter with you? Don't you see? I can hardly move. Go away while you still have the strength to crawl away. Now, believe me. Tell Mr. Gifford to come in and close the door, Cassie. Uh, that voice. That's my sister. It's your sister. Claudine Lassan. Good evening, Larry. I was wondering when you'd get here. You know him? Yes. Mr. Gifford and I are old friends. Friends? How can you have a friend now, Cassie? He's someone like you. You mustn't mind her, Larry. Cassie isn't quite well. I don't know who you are, Mr. Gifford. But I do know that she's brought you here to kill me. Cassie? I knew it would happen on a night like this when the moon was full. She's been preparing for it for months. I've told everyone about it, but no one will believe me. I've told them again and again, and they say I'm insane. They think I've lost my mind. But she is going to murder me tonight while the moon is full. She's going to murder me. She... Oh. Go to your room, Cassie, immediately. here. Come, Larry. You must know by this time that you can't fight me. Yes, I... I thought I'd never see you again. I'm, I'm not well. I've got a fever. Hey, that tom-tom being in my brain. I can't stop it. It's getting louder and louder. What? I blacked out. When I opened my eyes again, I was in a soft bed with clean sheets. Someone had dressed my wounds. The moonlight came into my room like a living yellow ghost. Then I heard it. Screams. Just like the one Nancy made when she was killed. I limped out of bed, went to the room next door. It was Kathy on the floor, murdered. The knife was still in her neck. And I heard it again. The tom-tom. Queer sounding this time. I felt myself beginning to sway to the rhythm like a dancer. 
Then I did something I couldn't stop myself from doing. I put my hands down, drew out the knife. I wiped my bloody hand on my shirt. Suddenly I looked up. She was there. Claudine. Drop the knife, Larry. What? What have you got in your hands? These? These came from the skeleton of someone who was once alive. You're not a woman. You're a devil. I'm going to... Don't come any closer, Larry. I don't want to kill you just yet. Just yet? So we're close to the payoff. Yes. You're trembling, Larry. Who are you? There's no reason why I cannot tell you now. You don't believe, do you, that there are unseen powers that can be controlled by someone who knows how? I can believe anything about you. Thank you, Larry. Your heart is pounding like a throbbing drum, isn't it, Larry? You can feel death close, can't you? What have you got to say to me? I'm going to tell you a story, Larry. The story of a child who was brought up on this estate by a strange old woman, a conjure woman. In her head were all the black arts of the world. She taught me. Why are you telling me this? It amuses me to watch you, a murderer, helpless and terrified. So terrified you can hardly breathe. I find it very exciting. Then... It, it was blood I found on my handkerchief. Yes. It is one of the ways to gain complete power over a person. And a tonto. Another spell to make you do what I want. And the murder of your sister? You want me to be the patsy for that? You're beginning to understand. You see, Cassie and I inherited the estate. There's really not enough for both of us. You tell them I did it. Yes. And that I killed you in self-defense. What, what are you looking at me that way for? I was remembering something. Remembering? Oh. That kiss, baby, wasn't it? You're a devil, but still a woman, ain't you? You didn't forget that kiss, did you? No. Well, what are you going to do? Come here. Closer. Well. Don't move. There. You... You can let me live. Live? When it's my life against yours, you fool. I'll put that gun down. When I'm finished. Please, give me a break. I'm begging you. Begging you? I'll do anything you say. Just give me a chance, please. Here it comes, Larry. Between your eyes. How do you feel today, Gifford? Much better, officer. Legs healing fine. We checked that crazy story you told us. It's all true. Tell me something. How'd you know to come to the Lucerne place when you're dead? You arrived just in time. A second later and she would have killed me. Kathy, her sister phoned us, told us to come out. I came in the room and saw her threatening you with a gun. I shot at her. I had to. Got her in the shoulder. Should have killed her. State will take care of that. Did you believe the story she told you at first? That I killed her sister and she was killing me in self-defense? No. You see, Gifford, we'd found out that you weren't a murderer. You didn't kill Nancy Warren. The man who did that confessed. That made her whole story false. How, how did she do it, Captain? How did she find out where I always went? Police psychiatrist said she did, did it by post-hypnotic suggestion. She told you where to go while you were asleep, and you never realized that you were always doing 
Just what you wanted. The bullets, when I shot at her and tried to kill her, how'd she do that? It was all carefully planned. The first shot she fired at you were real bullets. The others in the gun were blanks. She wanted to get you so thoroughly under her power that you think she couldn't be killed. You see, all this so-called black magic has an explanation. Has it? I wonder. Oh, that black magic. <laughs> I tell you what I'm going to do. Step right this way, friends, and get yourself a post-hypnotic suggestion. Spell it backwards and you get murder. Uh, what's that? You can't spell. Ain't you lucky? Talking of luck, Mr. Raymond, I think Larry Gifford was mighty lucky to escape that awful woman. Oh, well, you see, Mary, it's very simple. He probably wore one of your good luck medallions. Oh, now that's plain uh, silly. A man wouldn't wear a medallion on a black rayon satin ribbon. It's the ladies who like jewelry. Yes, that's why I know that they'll appreciate this solid sterling silver medallion that the Lipton people want to send them. And, ladies, here's how you get it. Send just 25 cents, which includes tax and postage, with a box top from a package of Lipton's, the tea with the brisk flavor, to the Lipton Tea People, Box 9-2, in New York City. The uh, moral for tonight's assault on your nerves is never marry a dame who sucks blood out of your throat. Such dames give you a... Pain in the neck. <laughs> by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum Mystery Novel is The Red Right Hand by Joel Townsley Rogers. Yes, and don't you dare miss next week's story directed by Hyman Brown and brought to you by Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup. Next week's story is about a pair of murderers who get scared to death. They're more frightened than the guy they're murdering. So if you hear some static on your radio next Tuesday, it'll just be their knees knocking together. <laughs> well, now I guess it's really time to close that there squeaking door. So, uh, <clears throat> good night for real. Pleasant folks the next time you send a box of food to your boy overseas be sure to include a package or two of lipton's noodle soup mix you see lipton's is just like a taste of home Mm -hmm. it has the same homemade chickeny taste as the soup you make yourself the soup your boy's always been so fond of that's why it's such a thoughtful, welcome little gift to send Lipton's. And as you know yourself, Lipton's noodle soup makes a grand snack. So remember, send a package or two to your boy. And remember to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for A Day in the Life of Dennis Day, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for a visit with the singer who possessed a marvelous tenor voice, Dennis Day. He was born Patrick Eugene McNulty, as Irish as Patty's pig, as my mom used to say. In 1939, Gene McNulty, as he was known then, sang on network radio with band leader Larry Clinton. 
The Clinton broadcasts were aimed at the collegiate audience and were often broadcast from a college campus. The 23-year-old McNulty won an audience poll as favorite vocalist. Day appeared for the first time on Jack Benny's radio show October 8th of 1939, taking the place of another tenor, Kenny Baker. Benny's wife brought the singer to Benny's attention after hearing Day on the radio during a visit to New York. She took a recording of Day's singing to Benny, who then went to New York to audition Day. That audition resulted in Day's role on the Benny program. He was introduced as a young 19-year-old naive boy singer, a character he kept throughout his entire career. And now, a day in the life of Dennis Day and the episode, New Border. Brought to you by Palmolive Soap and Luster Cream Shampoo. Palmolive Soap, your beauty hope. Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, dream girl hair. <laughs> the Dennis Day Show with Barbara Eiler, B. Benaderet, George Dooning in the orchestra, and yours truly, Vern Smith, is written by Frank Galen and stars our popular young singer in A Day in the Life of Dennis Day. <laughs> Here's Dennis to sing his RCA Victor recording of Clancy Lowered the Boom. Now Clancy was a peaceful man, if you know what I mean. The cops picked up the pieces after Clancy left the scene. He never looked for trouble, that's a fact you can assume. But nevertheless, when trouble would press, Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, that Clancy! Oh, that Clancy! Whenever they got his Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom. Boom, 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 boom. O'Leary was a fighting man, they all knew he was tough. He strutted round the neighborhood, shooting off his guff. He picked a fight with Clancy, then and there he sealed his doom. Before you could shout, O'Leary, look out! Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, the Clancy! Whenever they got his Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, Clancy left the barber shop with tonic on his hair. He walked into the pool room and he met O'Reilly there. O'Reilly said, for goodness sake, now do I smell perfume? Before you could stack your cue in the rack, Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, that Clancy. Oh, that Clancy. Whenever they got his Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom. Boom, 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 boom. The neighbors all turned out for Kate O'Grady's wedding night. McDougal said, let's have some fun, I think I'll start a fight. He wrecked the hall, then kissed the bride and pulverized the groom. Then quick as a wink, before you could think, Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, that Clancy. Oh, that Clancy. Whenever they got his Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, that Clancy. Oh, that Clancy. Whenever they got his Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom. I tell you, it was the grandest sight you ever did see when Clancy lowered the boom.
Well, when Mr. Anderson was called out of town suddenly on business yesterday, his wife was heard to remark that now she and her daughter Mildred would be alone without a man in the house. And what puzzled our young hero Dennis Day is that she was looking right at him when she said it. (laughs) But Mrs. Anderson could have been mistaken, for our hero has stepped into the breach completely, shouldering her husband's duties and responsibilities perfectly. Indeed, he's become the man of the Anderson household. If you don't believe it, just listen. Dennis Day, will you please get through scrubbing that floor? Uh, yes, Pupsy. <laughs> and stop calling me Pupsy. Very well, passion fruit. <laughs> Dennis, I'm warning you. Well, if gee, I... Mrs. Anderson, I'm only trying to keep you from missing your husband. Well, you're not succeeding. Now let the rest of that floor go till later. I'm trying to work out the household budget. Yes, ma'am. Not that I ever will, with more going out every week than there is coming in. I tell you, trying to run a house with prices what they are, it... Have you any idea what it's like to be a woman these days? Oh, no, ma'am, and according to my birth certificate, I imagine I'll always be in the dark. <laughs> well, it's awful. I swear, I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. Especially when I have a boarder who's exactly three months behind in his room rent. Oh, you've been keeping track too, huh? (laughs) I have. And you ought to be ashamed of yourself. After the way I've coddled you and catered to you, didn't I spend practically all last Tuesday just shopping for a pillow for your bed? Oh, yes, ma'am. And sleeping on a pillow is fine, but it's really no substitute for a mattress. (laughs) You've got a mattress and you know it. Oh, sure. I know it's a mattress, and you know it's a mattress, but my stupid back thinks it's a marble slab. (laughs) The nerve of you complaining. Nobody could be nicer to you than I am. And what thanks do I get? Gee, I'm sorry, Mrs. Anderson. If things are really... If they're really bad, well, maybe you could rent my room to someone else. Someone else? But where would you sleep? I can sleep down in the cellar. You actually mean that? You wouldn't object to leaving your room and sleeping in the cellar? No, ma'am. If it means some extra money for you, I don't mind being a little more comfortable. (laughs) Janice, you're an angel to make this sacrifice. I'll run right down to the newspaper office and put an ad in this afternoon's paper. Uh, You're positive now that you won't mind sleeping in the cellar. Oh, no, ma'am. I'm already looking forward to that nice soft cement. You mean you actually persuaded Mother to let you leave your room and sleep in the cellar? Sure. Gosh, if she's in financial trouble, Mildred. Well, but uh, are you sure you want another boarder in the house? Huh? Well, suppose he turns out to be tall and handsome. And very charming and intelligent and attractive to women. Gee, I never thought of that. Imagine it, two of us under the same roof. <laughs> Dennis, what's the matter with you? Don't you understand what I'm saying or, or why I'm saying it? Where's the green-eyed monster? She went downtown to the newspaper office. <laughs> Not mother. Dennis, you just take me for granted. I am a little attractive, you know, and... Oh, so that's what you mean. But, gosh, Mildred, you wouldn't look at another man, would you, huh? Would you, would you, would you, huh? Why should I tell you that? 
My goodness, a girl like... Wonderful news, children. I've got a boarder for Dennis's room. Eight dollars a week and the nicest boy. Boy? Oh, my gosh. What's he look like? Well, he's about 23, very good-looking, and a graduate of Harvard University. The criminal type. He's got to go. <laughs> what? He's a criminal, I tell you. I, I saw his picture in the post office. He's wanted for, for, for wife-beating. What are you talking about? He isn't married. That's even worse. Beating a wife he's not even married to. Get rid of him. <laughs> oh, stop that nonsense. Mildred, he'll be here any minute, and I've got to run down to the corner to pick up some things. So if he arrives before I get back, show him the room. All right, Mother. I'll see you later. Mildred. Hmm? I love you, girl. Mad for you. Mad. Mad. Do you hear? Mad, mad, mad. What? Take me in your big, strong arms. Squeeze me till I'm just a sudden mass of limp passion. My. Why this abrupt change all of a sudden? I don't know. Living in the cellar, perhaps. Maybe the change of altitude has given me the bend. It couldn't possibly be the new boarder, could it? This handsome new boarder? Well, gosh, if he's really so good-looking and only 23 and everything... Oh, you're cute. But you don't really have to be upset, Dennis. No? No, you know I only have eyes for you. Yeah, but it's the rest of you I'm worried about. <laughs> don't be silly. You worried about me a little. You've been taking me. Oh, I'll get it. Hello? Uh, how do you do? I understand you have a room for rent. Well, yes, sir. We did have one, but it's already rent. Wait a minute. How old are you? Huh? Oh, I'm, I'm 41. Gee, that's wonderful. You've got one foot practically in the grave. <laughs> I'm not sure I understand that, but I'm very anxious to live in your neighborhood. I'm prepared to pay $25 a week for that room. $25 and... a week? Well, 30 if necessary, and I. 30? Mister, you've got yourself a room. Come over in about an hour and it'll be all set for you. Really? Well, my gracious. Uh, well, thank you, young man. Uh, goodbye. Dennis, what have you done? Wow, didn't you hear? I just rented him the room. But Mother's already rented it. I know, but this is an old man, Mildred. Girls to him are just people who don't shave. <laughs> I know that, and I realize $30 is a lot of money, but... Oh, my golly. I bet that's Mother's border. What'll we tell him? He'll insist on keeping the room. Oh, no, he won't. We'll get him to turn it down. You just follow my lead, that's all. And don't you worry. Come in. How do you do? My name is Clifford. I spoke to Mrs. Anderson about a room. Oh, yes. Uh, Day is my name. Bring him back alive, Day. You know, the lion tamer. The lion tamer? Oh, sure. This is a boarding house for circus people. Didn't Mrs. Anderson tell you? Why, no. Oh, sure. Meet uh, little Fifi here, our snake charmer. Hiss hello to Mr. Clifford, uh, Fifi. <laughs> Hello. Uh, well, shall we show Mr. Clifford to his room? Yeah, I guess they've cleaned up the blood by now. <laughs> the blood? Well, you see, Roscoe, one of my lions, got into your room the other night while the last boarder was sleeping there. It was rather messy. Yeah, Roscoe's a pretty young lion. Just a baby, in fact, and you know what sloppy eaters they are. <laughs> you... You mean this lion... Uh-huh. Yes. That's why I like my snakes. Remember the border before last, Mr. Day? Oh, sure. It's much neater when a boar constrictor swallows them whole. Oh, no. Sure. Say, I uh, hope you won't mind sharing the room for a day or two with Hugo. I'm breaking in a new act. Hugo? Who's he? My vampire bat. Uh, you'll get along with him, though. Just keep him well fed, that's all. What do you mean, well fed? Oh, it's no problem. When you go to sleep, just leave your collar open. <laughs> Good heavens, I'm getting out of here. Goodbye. Gee, what do you know at work? 
yes. Oh, Dennis, you were wonderful. Mother will be so proud of you. Yeah, I guess she will. What happened in here? Why did Mr. Clifford just rush past me screaming something about snakes and lions? What did you just say to him? Does it matter, Mother? The good news is he isn't taking the room. Isn't taking the room? That's good news? Sure. You see, I've rented it to someone else. What? I like your nerve. Whoever he is, he can't have it. But he's a very nice man, Mrs. Anderson. What do I care? He has a charming personality. Personality or not, he doesn't get the room. And he'll pay you $30 a week. How soon does he move in? (laughs) He'll be here in an hour. Ain't I a darling? Oh, Dennis, you are. We'll continue our day in the life of Dennis Day in just a moment. Meanwhile, here's Dennis to sing You Call Everybody Darling. You call everybody darling And everybody calls you darling too You don't mean what you're saying It's just a game you're playing But you'll find someone else can play the game as well as you If you call everybody darling Then love won't come a-knocking at your door And as the years go by You'll sit and wonder why Nobody calls you darling anymore If you call everybody darling Then love won't come a-knocking at your door And as the years go by You'll sit and wonder why Nobody calls you darling anymore Well, Dennis finally made a big hit with Mrs. Anderson. He got rid of the man she rented his room to and rented it to someone else for a good deal more money. Mrs. Anderson is out shopping for additional furnishings now as Dennis opens the door to greet the new tenant, a very distinguished-looking gentleman, complete with cane and spats. Oh, how do you do, sir? Welcome to Anderson Manor. Oh, thank you. I spoke to you on the phone, I believe. My name is Franklin, Ben Franklin. Glad to know you, Mr. Franklin. Your quarters are right upstairs, if I may lead the way. Thank you. You're very kind. I hope you like your room. There are several very nice features to it, which I will make up as we go along. (laughs) But I assure you I'm not hard to please. And the ceiling. Good. Because if you wanted something fancy like windows, we'd be in trouble. (laughs) There we are. Well, how cozy. Yeah. And notice you'll never have to sweep under the bed. The mattress is right on the floor. It's simply delightful. I know I'll be very happy. Oh, thank you, Mr. Franklin. Edison. Thomas Edison. Edison? But I thought... Now, I suppose you'd like a little money in advance. (laughs) Now, tell me, would $50,000 be satisfactory? Why not? No. Really, Mr. Edison, I... Edison? Oh, Columbus is the name. Christopher Columbus. George, that reminds me, I nearly forgot. I need three smaller rooms, too, for the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. <laughs> now, now, look here, Mr. Thomas. Why, you're shaking, lad. Are you cold? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, oh, I have just the thing for you in my grip. You see that black bag over there? Bring it over and open it. I, I'd rather not, sir. There may be someone in it, I know. 
But an operation is your only chance, dear boy. Oh, you see that, don't you? An operation? Oh, it's vital. I'm certain it's the only way we can save the patient, Dr. Mayo. Oh, he... <laughs> You're right. I'll go get the ether. Good. I'll be under it when you get back. <laughs> oh, uh, and when you return, Dr. Mayo... Uh, yes, sir? Bring your sister Virginia with you, huh? <laughs> Are you really sure? Beyond any doubt? Positive. All the time I was in the room, he was going... <laughs> with his fingers. Oh, still, that doesn't exactly prove anything. On my lips. Oh. <laughs> oh, my golly, you're right. We better call the police immediately. Oh, no. And have your mother find out I rented the room to a lunatic? I'm going to get rid of him myself. But how? I'm going to pretend I'm as goofy as he is, and then maybe he'll have confidence in me, and I can get him out of the house. Oh, oh, gee, I sure hope it works. Well, good luck, Dennis. Boy, do I need it. Yes, who is it? President Truman. Oh, excuse me. (laughs) Ah, come in, Mr. President. Just a minute. You don't look like President Truman. Shh. I'm in disguise. A lot of Southerners around. Oh, Yes, I see. Well, to what do I owe this great honor, Mr. President? We need you in Washington, sir. Immediately. Really? Well, who'd have thought it with so many of us already there? (laughs) It's a matter of utmost importance. Remember that little talk we had in the White House last June about the canal? Oh, I'll never forget it. What canal? (laughs) By the one from Florida to California. Permit a free exchange of orange juice. Ooh. <laughs> is that right? It needs digging, does it? Very well, Ben Franklin, is at your service, sir? It's off to Washington. My kite can wait. Good boy. Come on, let's go. We've got to hurry. The plane is waiting at the... Oh, my gosh. Mrs. Anderson. Well, this must be our new border. How do you do, sir? Oh, and this must be my landlady. Madame, I am charmed beyond words. Your beauty is as breathtaking as it is unexpected. Oh, my, really? Oh, you are exquisite, madame. Well, Dennis, if he doesn't like your room, you might show him Mr. Anderson. There isn't time now, Mrs. Anderson. We've got to get out of here. We've got a big deal on Oh, no, 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 my son. I'm afraid it will have to wait. The artist in me is stronger than the engineer. I simply must paint this lovely creature at once. Paint me? Oh, how thrilling. You're a painter, Mr. Uh... Uh, Da Vinci, Leonardo Da Vinci. (laughs) And you want to paint me, Mr. Da Vinci? Look, Lenny, we got to get out of here. No, 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 no. (laughs) I must put this golden girl on canvas immediately. That hair, the shape of that face, a perfect Helen of Troy. Oh, my goodness. But, Mr. Da Vinci... Oh, I'll go get my palette and brushes, my dear. Now, you fetch a white tablecloth to wrap about you. It will make a lovely toga. Uh, quickly now, while I'm in the mood. Oh, yes, of course. I'll be right back. But there isn't time. We got to... Now, don't argue, Harry. My mind is made up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Dennis, what's wrong? Hasn't he gone? No, and your mother's back, and there's no telling what'll happen. Quick, run down to the corner and bring back a policeman. Hurry. Oh, my golly. Okay. Oh, isn't this thrilling, Dennis? Mrs. Anderson. Do I really look like Helen of Troy in this tablecloth? 
Mrs. Anderson, listen. This guy oh, is a... there you are, my dear, and already. Oh, you look magnificent. Now, let's see. Suppose we select the phone. Uh, uh, how's this? No, not quite right. Could you, could you bend one knee just slightly? Slightly? Good. Now, now the other knee, too, a little. <laughs> so? Excellent. Now, could you remove your head and place it between them? <laughs> Misunderstood you. Did you just... Oh, my gracious, look. There's a young lady running across the lawn accompanied by a gentleman in blue. Now, I wonder who that could be. Why, it's Mildred and a policeman. Oh, thank goodness. Dear, dear. I fear President Truman has betrayed me. He must have learned that I'm really Tom Dewey. (laughs) What? All right, now, where's the Luna? Uh Uh-oh. What are you doing dressed up in that tablecloth, lady? For your information, my good man, I'm Helen of Troy. Uh, I see. Okay, let's take a walk, Helen. That's my mother. Sure, she's all right. Yeah? Who are you? He says he's President Truman. (laughs) Did you say that? Yeah, but I was... Two of them, huh? Okay, you can both come along. No, wait. This is the man right here. He says his name is Leonardo da Vinci. So what? Being a foreigner is no crime. (laughs) Come on, Helen. Harry, let's move. Now, look here. Oh, officer, you're making a mistake. If you'd only let me explain. Mother wanted Dennis to sleep in the cellar, so we frightened the other man away with the snakes and the lions in his bed and rented the room to Benjamin Franklin. Don't you see? Yep. Get in line, sister. <laughs> all right, all right, the three of you. Let's go. No, Please, wait. stop pushing. Well, goodbye, friends. Nice meeting you all. <laughs> and don't take it too hard, Harry. Just look at the trouble Henry's having. <laughs> Now, here is Dennis with George Dooning and the orchestra. Judy, what are you doing here? Well, Dennis, my program starts on the air again next week, and I'll be on right ahead of your program. That's right, Judy. Gee, this sure is a small world. Your sponsor is my sponsor. And your program and my program will be the Colgate Saturday Night One Hour of Fun. Golly, Dennis, just think. You and me are both in the same family. Gosh, does my mother know about this? (laughs) Although I wouldn't mind having you for a sister, Judy. You're pretty. (laughs) Oh, shucks, you're just saying that. (laughs) No, I'm not. Huh? No, I'm not. Well, somebody just said it. Judy, I gotta sing now, but don't forget, starting next Saturday night, I'll be following you. Yeah, just whistle, and if I don't stop, it ain't me. (laughs) Now, with George Dooning in the orchestra, here is Dennis to sing, Maybe You'll Be There. 
a crowd of people. Just like a fool, I stop and stare. It's really not the proper thing to do. But maybe you'll be there. I go out walking after midnight along the lonely thoroughfare. It's not the time or place to look for you, but maybe you'll be there. You said your arms would always hold me. You said your lips were mine alone. Day show brought to you by Palm Olive Soap, Your Beauty Hope, and Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous dream girl hair. Listen again next week to Colgate's Hour of Fun, hilarious Judy Canova, followed immediately by Dennis Day. Two great comedy programs next Saturday evening over this same station. Vern Smith speaking. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, we'll wrap up the week with Escape, followed by Archie Andrews. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.